Well, I can't tell you how good it is to be here this morning. Um, you miss so much when you're out just a week. Um, I guess it's been more than that. Uh, this time that Angela and I spent in, in quarantine recovering what proved to be a rather debilitating case of the virus. It's been a time for me, a time for reflect, uh, reflection and, and prayer. Now, I don't recommend it if you're looking for a time of respite. There are other ways to do this besides getting uh, COVID. But nevertheless, God has been in the midst of it. And he impressed to me to depart from preaching from the lectionary this week and to remind all of us that though it may seem as if we are all captives to the world, prisoners of Babylon, if you will, to viruses, to oppressive culture, to persecution, to gaslighting. The, the truth of the matter is that through our Savior Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit, we can be set free to experience life and not just life, but life abundant. See, in, in many ways, this, this time that I spent in quarantine these past two weeks has been more difficult than the first time that uh, Angela and I had this, this virus way back before it even had a name. In December 2019, January 2020, uh, that time was, was more physically difficult. This time the difficulty was more of a down-to-the-bone tiredness, mentally, spiritually, and physically. It just seemed to make mental and physical activity foggy and slow. That's about the best way I can describe it. Foggy and slow. But God, in the midst of all of that, was able to cut through the fog and show me revelation. He impressed on me that for the past couple of years, we as a people, as a nation, as a church... We have been in captivity. We've been captives in Babylon, like the people of old, held in bondage by this grand scheme of the evil one to distract us from our true calling as disciples of Jesus Christ. He can't defeat us because victory belongs to Jesus. But instead, he seeks to distract us and to deceive us and to delay us in our claiming the victory that Jesus owns and freely gives to us. And so this morning, I want us to claim the victory by reclaiming our mission and our ministry as the church. I want us to recall the captivity in Babylon so that we can learn from it and remember that as the people of God redeemed by Christ's blood, we are no longer captives in Babylon, but we are headed to Jerusalem. So let's begin, because this is important. You see, in the year 587 B.C., as the prophet Isaiah had warned King Nebuchadnezzar and his Babylonian army, they were coming to conquer Jerusalem, and that they did. 
And as conquerors do, they destroyed the city, they flattened the temple, they stole all of its treasure, and they took into captivity the Jewish people, men, women, children, making them slaves and exiles in Babylon from their beloved Jerusalem. Do you remember your biblical history? See, times were difficult for the Jewish people as they were exiled in Babylon. And the Babylonian captors were, were difficult. They were hard. They were taskmasters. And the women and children, they were bought and sold like cattle. And if you were caught praying to the one true God, that was a dangerous activity. It might result in cruel, merciless punishment, even death. It was a dire circumstance. And the prophet Isaiah foretold about this conquest more than a century before it actually happened. His people would be exiled in a foreign land. They would be slaves to a godless people. They would be in bondage to a culture of idols and false gods. They would be under constant pressure to submit, to bow down, to conform. Oh, wait a minute. That was yesterday. We can fast forward to present day Houston, Texas, if you will, a sprawling metropolis where there's a small town teenager, a runaway. Her name is Chloe. Maybe you know someone like her that's running from an abusive situation at home and she steps off a bus in downtown Houston and immediately falls prey to some smooth talking human trafficker. And within days, she is enslaved to the highest bidder and she finds herself in bondage. She is now in exile, a captive in Babylon. Or maybe you know someone like Jonathan who is a husband. He's a father of three. He walks into his place of employment as he's done every day for the past five years, only to find where his time card usually is. There's a pink slip. His company decided to cut his position rather than pay for his government mandated health insurance. Do you know any Jonathan's? Devastated, he makes the endless drive home to look into his wife's eyes to tell her that he no longer has a job. He now is a captive. He's in exile in Babylon. Indeed, his whole family is a captive in Babylon. Now, in his very neighborhood, there's a single mom named Haley. Maybe you know a few Haley's. And she's trying in vain this morning to comfort her three-year-old, Caitlin, who has a high fever. And as Caitlin just hangs listlessly in her mother's arms, Haley looks in her bank account and discovers there's no money for food. There's no money to visit the doctor. There's no money to buy medicine. She has a part-time job and, and it barely pays for her small apartment. You know, if only her boyfriend hadn't been arrested a few weeks ago for drug possession, they depended on his income as scarce as it was. And now all of a sudden, Haley and Caitlin, 
They're in exile in Babylon. They're captives to Babylon. See, by the grace of God, Isaiah's prophetic work doesn't end with the Israelites in captivity in Babylon. If you've read your Bible, you know that God showed Isaiah that there would come a time of deliverance from bondage. There would come a day of salvation for them. And Isaiah told them, seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake their way and the unrighteous their thoughts. Let them return to the Lord that he may have mercy on them. And to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. See, God provided a way out of Babylon if the people of Israel would only take it. His mercy and grace were near. All they had to do was accept it. All they had to do was return to him and he would redeem them. But see, it was a limited time offer. Isaiah told them while God was near now, while he was giving his mercy and grace now, there would come a time when the offer would end so they should act now if they wanted to come out of exile from Babylon. So now back in downtown Houston, there's a ministry worker and he risks everything posing as a customer. He rents the young runaway Chloe, now who is a year older and totally dependent on her captives for everything, including her heroin habit. And he offers an, an invitation to Chloe to escape with him to a safe house. And he can't force her to go, but if she accepts his offer, she will be safe that very night. And so we wonder, will she accept her deliverer or will she remain in exile, in captivity in Babylon? Now, our husband and father, Jonathan, and his family walk into a local church to spend the night. They've lost everything. It's been a year since he's lost his job and they have no possessions. They have no home. They have no car. And they walk into the church where there are several other homeless families staying at the church with them. And they all sit together and they share a meal that's been prepared for them by the church. And the pastor there offers a prayer before the meal. And the words that the pastor speaks begin to penetrate the shell around Jonathan's heart. Come to me, the pastor says, all you that are weary and carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And so we wonder. Will Jonathan accept the invitation to unload his heavy burdens or will he remain in captivity, in exile in Babylon? So we look in on single mom Haley and we find her wondering if Caitlin will ever see four years of age. 
What began as a high fever nearly a year ago turned out to be a serious degenerative condition. And without health insurance and access to quality care, Haley just managed barely to sustain Caitlin. But she fears the end is coming. There's nothing that she can do. And so as she rocks her child to sleep, as she's done every night for nearly a year now, she turns on the radio and she hears a pastor on a talk show talking about a clinic. A clinic for people like her with no insurance and no money. And the pastor says that there are doctors and nurses and specialists that work every day to be the hands and feet of Jesus to those in need. And all that she has to do, the pastor says, is make an appointment. But see, Haley's not sure about this whole Jesus thing. I mean, will, will the, the Christian doctors and nurses still want to help her even if she's not sure about Jesus? And so we wonder, will she make the call? Or will she stay in exile in Babylon? See, our, our teenage runaway, our husband and our father, our single mom, and even her jailed boyfriend are but a small sampling. They and their circumstances of the prevailing collective consciousness of sin in our society today. We are, as a culture, as fallen humans, the wicked to whom Isaiah refers. Because we have it all backwards. We have it all upside down. We're short-sighted. We've lost our way. We have not grasped the truth as Isaiah proclaims it. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. You see, society, people, the wicked that Isaiah refers to, they lean on secular humanism, human autonomy, where we think that we have the right to be our own boss. And in order to substantiate that narcissistic thinking, we cry things like liberty and equal rights and tolerance and diversity. If we don't like the restrictions placed on us by Scripture, we simply ignore Scripture in the name of all those lofty words that we spout. Our watchword has become fairness when it should be righteousness. We've replaced God-given liberty with the slavery of universalism. We have mistaken tolerance for love when the lack of accountability that's inherent in this thing called tolerance, which is not a Christian virtue, by the way, being tolerant is the most unloving thing that we can possibly do to one another. 
When we turn a blind eye to unrighteousness so as not to offend someone. And in so doing, we clear the pathway to hell because there is then no accountability for the unrighteous. See, friends, herein lies the truth about God-given freedom and liberty. When we accept that our liberty is God-given and therefore under His authority, when we submit to His authority as given to us in His Word, the Bible, when we cease rebellious efforts to be autonomous and make our own rules, then and only then do we enjoy freedom through the mercy and grace The pardon of God. See, until we return to the Lord, as Isaiah proclaims, we will live in exile, in captivity in Babylon. But when we accept our deliverer, when we say yes to Jesus, when we trust in him, when we confess our trespasses and repent of them, when we turn away from wickedness, we receive mercy. And with it, grace. We receive the abundant pardon of God and then, then we cease to be in exile in Babylon. Then we are headed to Jerusalem. How do we know this is true? We know it's true because God said it. God is not a human being that he should lie or a mortal that he should change his mind. Has he promised and will he not do it? Has he spoken and will he not fulfill it? Isaiah proclaims, for as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return there until they have watered the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater. So shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose. And succeed in the thing for which I sent it. See, God's word does not go out and return void. It accomplishes great and mighty things. If God says he will pardon, you can rest assured that you are no longer in exile in Babylon, but you are headed for Jerusalem. Think about it. What a joyous journey that will be as you travel that sanctifying road to Jerusalem. All of creation will shout for joy as you travel. As our our runaway (coughs) Chloe joyfully accepts her deliverer's invitation of safety, she embraces this opportunity for true deliverance. As, As our husband and father, Jonathan, joyfully allows the pastor's prayer to penetrate his heart. He grasps the gift of an eternal home and access to the limitless storehouses of God. And as our single mom, Haley, joyfully carries her child, Caitlin, through the doors 
of this clinic ministry. She experiences the face of Christ in the eyes of a Christian medical team and a a relationship of trust and new life is born. See, like our three examples, Chloe and Jonathan and Haley, we too have to make a choice. This is what was impressed on me these two weeks in Babylon. We too have to decide if we will accept our deliverer or not. Like our examples, we too, as we accept Christ, we can all step out in joy. While we may be in exile in Babylon, we're headed for Jerusalem. Never forget that. Isaiah proclaims, for you shall go out in joy and be led back in peace. The mountains and the hills before you shall burst into song and all the trees of the field shall clap their hands. See, instead of the thorn shall come up the cypress, instead of the briar shall come up the myrtle, and it shall be to the Lord for a memorial, for an everlasting sign that shall not be cut off. And so the question for all of us here and for those out beyond those doors in need of the Savior, Jesus, will you make a decision for Christ today? Will you say yes to the invitation of your deliverer? Because I'm here to tell you that a celebration will be had when all the runaways come home. When the families have provision in abundance, when all the addicts are set free, when the single moms and their children are secure in the house of the Lord, where sin and sickness and death are not even a faded memory. What a celebration we will have. Better than any Methodist potluck ever. When. We are no longer slaves to our sin, no longer in bondage to the prevailing culture, no longer in exile in Babylon, but home, sweet home in Jerusalem. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Amen. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Please stand for our final hymn this this morning. I will serve thee. No. Uh-huh.